You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. Morning, everybody. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, my name is Peter Roderick, for you who don't know me, um, and um, we're going to be spending just a little bit of time thinking a bit about Advent this morning. You probably know it's, it's our sort of usual practice if, you, if you've been around at all City Church that we generally have a, a talk from, from the Bible for maybe 20, 30, 40 minutes uh, sometimes, if you're lucky, um, on a Sunday morning. Uh, that's our regular rhythm. That's a good rhythm to be in. Um, we, we try and let the Bible, uh, in a way, tell the story to us again and again, Sunday after Sunday, of the goodness of God. And it's a good pattern to be in. This morning, I'm, I'm really going to be speaking for about 10 minutes, a little bit unusual. I'm given a, a, a lot more time to, to sung worship this morning. Um, I, I, I personally have enjoyed that massively. Hannah, I just want to thank you so much for the way you've led us in that. It, it's been so good to be led by you in worship over the years and, and and your vulnerability, uh, and but that sense of the faithfulness of God this morning, it's been wonderful. It's been really good, so thank you for that. I hope um, people have, have, have met with God in that. If you have, uh, please do come and speak to one of us who's left from the front, Hannah or me or Pete. Um, choose a Pete. I mean, that you probably get, get, get the right kind of person. Um, and, and, and come and chat to us at the end uh, if you'd like to uh, speak through a few things. We'd love to do that. We'd love to just sit down and, and, and find out what's going on in your life uh, and, and what's going on for you. You and God. So, um, yeah, please do come and chat to us. Um, so we've, we've tried to weave in some sort of Advent themes uh, to for this morning, and uh, we are in the second Sunday of Advent. You, you may or may not know, but traditionally the Christian year is, is about two-thirds of it is what is called ordinary time. Um, it's a, bit of a funny phrase in a way, but ordinary time. Traditionally, it's, it, it's, a, it's the time within the church calendar where really sort of daily life and work and rest and, you know, sowing and planting and harvesting, I guess, in previous ages, would, would just sort of roll on. And we let scripture and the Bible talk into those times and, uh, and let them sort of shape what we're doing. But, but the other third of the year is, is what you might call a season or a festival. So, so you may know some of the words uh, that, uh, that, that we apply to these, these times. You may have heard of Advent. You may have heard of a season like Lent or a season like Easter or Pentecost. And about a third of the year are, I guess, I hesitate to say special times because every time is a time at which we can experience the goodness of God, but times at which we maybe especially draw close to some elements of the, the historical and the theological story which shapes the Christian worldview. And in a sense, we sort of shape ourselves around the story which we find so compelling that it, it, it actually asks us, it encourages us, it almost forces us to rearrange our diaries, to have a think about the way we might be living in this month and maybe reshape some things, get in some different rhythms or habits or contours of our daily life, maybe incorporate a, a prayer a day for something or maybe read through a meditation or, or, or a devotional book every day. In, in some ways, as a, as, a, as, a, as a habit, as a discipline to help you enter in to a story because it's so compelling like some of the best stories you kind of have to give yourself to it you cannot just let it be in the background as background music and and this season of advent is the story and and I guess the particular flavor that we're trying to immerse ourselves in in this month of 
December. It's, it's the tale that the church is always told in the lead up to Christmas. Um, Advent is, 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 is a, a sort of two Latin words shoved together. It means to come, essentially. Uh, and it's about expecting and about preparing ourselves. Um, and, 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 and it's those two bits of expecting and prepare that I just want to briefly unpack for us today. Because in Advent, um, in some senses, we are looking back. Um, we are looking back to the story of Israel that we find in the chapters of the Old Testament in the Bible. We're looking back to the longings and the waiting that Israel went through, at the, the, the prepa- preparation, in a sense, for the coming of Jesus. And, and you'll know if you have been in church a lot in Advent, then often we do use a number of Old Testament um, lessons, Old Testament scriptures, which will tell us and speak of the expectation of God in some way intervening and coming into this earth. Often fairly um, well, not obscure, but, 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 but not always as specific as we might want, but quite mysterious, often quite enticing um, tales of a time when God would come and do something dramatic in history, something big would happen. And, and as part of our preparation to celebrate Christmas, the coming of Jesus, God incarnate with us, we now take these texts up and use them as our own as Christians. But secondly, we look forward. We look forward to the coming again of Jesus when he comes in glory to judge the living and the dead. And this can often feel a little bit confusing. What are we actually doing in Advent? Are we focusing on Jesus' coming or are we focusing on the second coming of Jesus? Which is it? Is it Bethlehem or is it new heavens and earth? And the fact is it's both. It's meant to be both. In fact, I think the best way of thinking of it is that we replay the anticipation of Israel looking forward to a Messiah coming as we ourselves look forward to the coming again of Jesus. It's almost like, well, how best do I look forward to the coming of Jesus? How might I think about that thing which feels a bit ethereal, perhaps a little bit mysterious? Well, how about you tell the stories that the Israelites would tell themselves when they looked forward to God's dramatic intervention in history? We tell ourselves those stories and we find we're sort of wrapped up into the mysteries of God coming the second time. I can sometimes think of Advent, I guess, as a little bit of a sober festival. Maybe we mix it up a little bit with, with Lent, and, 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 and there, there are some elements, of, I guess, of repentance and you know, penitence within it. But, but, but Advent, is, it, it does have a different flavor. It's, it's about expectation and longing and waiting. It's, it's about watchfulness as much as anything else. It's about words like hoping, desiring yearning, anticipating, groaning, preparing, and calling. And waiting isn't a passive thing. It's meant to be an active readiness for the light to be breaking in. We're watching and we're holding on with longing for the inbreaking of God's kingdom. It's about as far as passive away from passive as you can get actually. It's it, it's it's a kind of a, it's almost a tiptoes festival. It's a sort of standing in readiness. And so I want us to do a little bit of a a thought experiment. I'd like you to close your eyes 
And I want to imagine, if you will, that you are a Jewish woman or man living in Israel about naught BC, approximately the year that Jesus was born. So your whole existence, your world was filled with waiting, with longing, with hoping, desiring, expecting, yearning, anticipating, groaning, and watching. You would have had the glorious history of Israel drummed into you as a child. You would have heard the stories, the covenant that God made with his people, the exodus, bringing them through the Red Sea out of Egypt. You would have heard about the law. You would have heard tales of the kingdom of God, David's great kingdom in some way foreshadowing it. You're utterly aware of the fact that your whole nation, your people, your race is chosen by God to be his treasured possession. And you carry the promise of being the manner and means by which God is going to redeem the whole world. You are the hope and the light to the world. You've grown up with these sort of promises whispered into you. And you've heard them in maybe the synagogue or even in the temple if you lived in Jerusalem. And you've heard these phrases being repeated. These rumors of a future truth. Stories of a coming hope that are echoing in your ears. And the kind of scripture passages that you might have heard sound like this. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The watchmen sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But of course, currently, you're under the cosh of a brutal, oppressive, occupying force, the Romans. You're a humiliated, downtrodden nation, bickering and arguing among yourselves. You've experienced exile and devastation. The present reality looks nothing like the rule and reign of God here on earth. It looks like chaos and calamity. So your only hope, the thread perhaps by which you hang, the fragile branch on which you sit, is the hope that God, Yahweh, will prove himself to be all he says he is by coming and redeeming the world. You are awaiting eagerly the Messiah that the prophets have talked about. You're waiting like a groom waits for the bride to come down the aisle. You know and trust that God will come, and you're standing in your tiptoes waiting in anticipation. Your most authentic guttural heart cry would have been, God, come. In fact, you, you would have used the Hebrew phrase for that, Maranatha, come Lord. That's the heart of Advent. Now, fast forward to 2021. We as Christians in Christ have now experienced the joy of that Messiah, the one who brought good news, coming among us, dying in our place and entering into resurrection life. And we now carry our own set of promises about the day that God will finally complete the story. He'll wrap everything up in Christ. He'll put the final, final dot on the page. And you are growing up with whispered promises, with rumors of future truth, stories of a coming hope echoing in your ears. And these are the kind of scriptures that you have on your mind. The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven 
from God. But currently, we still live in chaos and calamity. Bitterness, strife, family breakdown, domestic violence, cruelty, disappointment, the situation uh, of war and famine in Afghanistan, in Syria, poverty on our streets, hunger and desperation, the sufferings of COVID and other diseases. The current reality often fails to match the true resurrection life we know lies truly at the center of the universe. So our most authentic and guttural cry is, God come, Maranatha. We are eagerly waiting the coming again of Jesus to bring all things together and restore justice. And we cry out like the Apostle Paul does, using that Hebrew phrase, Maranatha, come. That's the true heart of Advent. If you haven't already, you can open your eyes now and you can stand and we're going to say some liturgy together, which is going to appear on the screen. Watchful at all times, let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our maker and redeemer. That God may bring in his kingdom with justice and mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. That God may establish among the nations his scepter of righteousness. Let us pray to the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. That with all the saints in light, we may shine forth as lights for the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus that God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick and raise up all who have fallen. Let us pray to the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. That the light of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death. Let us pray to the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. That we may seek Christ in the scriptures and recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray to the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's have a seat again. Advent calls us to this kind of impatient holiness. It's a call to become Israel, to inhabit its longings, to own its waitings and groanings, and expecting the final day when Jesus comes to reign. The world will constantly encourage us to live in the moment, to enjoy life while you can, to live for today because it could be your last. Time is running out, so eat, drink and be merry, as someone told the Apostle Paul, for tomorrow we die. But when you become a Christian, things don't work out like that. Time doesn't work like that. You're drawn into a different version of time. You don't have to live with that crushing weight of expectation to wring every ounce of fun and pleasure out of your three score year and ten. You can wait, you can watch, you can hope. Those things cease to be futile and pointless and become incredibly beautiful. They're a sign that we have a deeply ingrained future orientation in our hearts. The compass of the Christian heart is not swinging wildly from one thing to another, but is pointing to the future. So today you're invited to shun living in the moment and instead live in a greater reality.
This will involve, brothers and sisters, a willingness to learn to wait, but it's not an aimless wait with no hope. And the Apostle Paul sums it up perhaps in the most um, incredible of ways in the book of Romans, in Romans 8. And so before we head into breaking bread and wine and sharing it together, I'm going to ask Hannah to read Romans 8, the middle section in the version in the messages. And it's going to come up on the screen. Hannah is going to read this really slowly and we're going to reflect on it. There's no comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become. And the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Good.